Luke chapter two is our, is our text here today. And verse number 10, I'm not going to read the entire story tomorrow evening uh, during our Christmas Eve service. We have a lot of special things planned. Uh, it'll be singing Christmas carols and, and uh, those types of songs. And we've got a couple specials, our teens will be singing and uh, other, some couple other special music as well. And then we're gonna bring all the children up here. Uh, we cleared it all out so we can bring the kids up here. And uh, we're gonna read the entire Christmas story to uh, all the children uh, that'll be here tomorrow. And then we've got a small uh, gift for all the children as well. And so we hope that you'll be here tomorrow evening. There's no service tonight. Uh, we've moved that to tomorrow. Uh, evening. And so we hope that you'll be here. If you're not able to be here, I know some will be traveling and uh, we pray that you have a safe trip. I hope and pray that you enjoy time with your family. And uh, you pray for me. My in-laws came in yesterday and uh, my wife said, Merry Christmas. That was my gift. My in-laws are spending. And then she told me they're here for an entire week. And so praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Luke chapter two, let's get into the message before I dig a hole I can't get out of here. If you know the story, Jesus is um, about ready to be born. God became flesh, 100% God, 100% man. Came for one reason, and that was to redeem mankind. You, if you have been in our church for any length of time, you know this, we, we preach salvation through Jesus Christ. A person is not saved because of religion. A person's not saved because of baptism or because of being a good person. A person is saved, he receives eternal life only through the cross that Jesus Christ went to. He paid that sacrifice that you and I, we owe, but we could not pay. He went to the cross and that shows God's compassion in his love toward us. But we find in Luke chapter two, the birth of Jesus. And there were in the same country in verse number eight, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them in verse number 10, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings. And this is the, the message I want to bring today of great joy. How many of you could use some joy today in your life? Everybody. I remember back when we first moved to Northwest Ohio a few years ago, the, that first March, I remember stepping out of my office and looking outside and, and I looked up in the sky and I said to myself, is it ever going to be blue again? I felt like it had been months and months and months. It had only been a couple months, but it just seemed like gray skies. I thought, is it ever gonna be blue again? Is the sun ever gonna shine? Or is this it? Is this going to be the rest of the year like this? And you know, we, if we're not careful, we can, we can get depressed in the world we live in. We, this past week, I, I uh, uh, I don't know why I, I look at this, um, but I, on my phone, I look at the, the stock every day. The stock market just continues to, to go down. It was like Christmas colors, it's in red, you know, every day, it's not good. A friend of mine just retired last week and uh, he called and said, I'm gonna have to get a job this week. <laughs> There's nothing left in my retirement. And I just retired a week ago and it seems depressing. It seems depressing. 
If you look at things in our world, you see things like trade and you hear of, of wars. And these are all things that, that the Bible tells us we're, we're gonna hear in the last days, wars and, and rumors of wars. E, e, even now, and we hear of nuclear arms races, we, we see fighting in our nation's capital. We, we turn on the news and seems like even, it seems like it gets worse. I didn't watch the news much at all on Friday, but I turned it on and when I was getting ready to go to bed and I saw midnight tonight, government shut down. And, and if you're not careful, you can look at these things and it's discouraging. You think, where, where's it gonna end? And, and is there any hope? I, I wanna submit to you this, in Luke chapter number two, the day of Jesus, it was really no different. Israel was occupied by the Roman government. They, they, they didn't have freedoms. Matter of fact, what, what started this, I preached last week or the week before that what even started this chapter, it, and it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I mean, who likes paying taxes? And this was above and beyond everything else. The, the Roman, the, the, the government that was occupying Israel at the time was requiring out of them. They were oppressed. They didn't have their freedoms. There, there, there was fear of, of the government. There was, was taxes to be paid. And, and, and really, in reality, when you study through uh, Jesus's days, you know what you find? And things weren't necessarily any better than they were today. And you find that things today aren't necessarily worse than they were then. And so you find about 2,000 years ago in the midst of struggles, in the midst of pain, in the midst of burdens, angels appeared with this message to the angels, to the shepherds. And that message, although it was 2,000 years old, is the same message that we have for us here today in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our burdens. And that is this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. There is reason for great joy today. In the midst of everything that we see, there is reason for great joy. And today, if you'll allow me in a few moments that I have this morning, I want to give you three things. If you write these things down in your heart somewhere, write these in your notes. I wanna give you number one is this, the source of great joy, the source of great joy. I want you to see the angels come to the shepherds here and they say again in verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. In verse number 20, I want you to see the shepherd's response. They, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I want you to see for the shepherds, the, the source of this great joy was Jesus Christ. It was Christ. Do you realize this? The shepherds still had to go back to their fields. One of the places when we were in Israel, we visited Bethlehem. We took our bus there and, and we got out and we walked down. And those that were there remember walking down that, that area and, and they called it the shepherd's fields. Now, when I was thinking about shepherd's fields, my wife and I, we still talk about this. We thought they would be bringing us to these green pastures as far as the eye could see. 
But that's not what we saw. What we saw were sides of mountains and, and, and it wasn't green and it wasn't easy and it wasn't uh, uh, pleasant to walk around and be around. It was, it was a rough terrain. And, and uh, I thought to myself, how in the world could sheep feed here? And then I looked and there they were. They were just there on the countryside. This, this wasn't an easy job. A matter of fact, for a shepherd in those days, it was not a, a great position. It was actually a, a look down upon position. It was a, a poor man's job. The shepherds, they lived in just little cave areas. We saw on the shepherd's fields, there places where they lived, the caves in the sides of the hills where they would stay. It was nothing magnificent. It was nothing beautiful. Matter of fact, and some evenings it would get very cold. It was a, a difficult job. It was during the evening hours when everyone else was sleeping, the shepherds would have to stay awake for fear of, of animals coming in and, 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 and taking their, their livelihood and stealing the sheep and, and eating the sheep. And so this was a tiring job. They had to fight off wild animals. They had to stay up and care for sheep because sheep weren't always the smartest. They'd go off and they'd get hurt. The shepherds, though, the Bible says they, they returned. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. There was a source of great joy for the shepherds, and that source was this. It was Jesus. It wasn't their job. It wasn't their occupation. You see, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we put our joy in the wrong things. And when those things are taken from us, we lose our joy. We lose our happiness. We, we lose our identity. But your identity isn't in your job. Your identity isn't in what you do. Your identity ought to be in Jesus Christ. And if your identity is found in him, you, no matter what comes your way, you will have great joy. I not only see the source of joy in the shepherds. I, I want you to see in the same chapter in verse number 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was a just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him in, the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in their arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servants depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to the light and the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel." I want to show you this, the source of joy, what we don't just even find in the shepherds, we find also in this man named Simeon. Simeon is another one that's been waiting for this event. The Bible leads us to believe this, that Simeon has lived a long life. His whole purpose of his life, the request that he had from God himself was this, allow me to see the Messiah. Now, I want you to think about this. He is seeing the condition of the world around him. He's seeing the Roman occupation. He's seeing the, the taxes that have to go out. He's seeing the people in distress. He, he, he reads and he sees and he hears of, of, of the people uh, worshiping pagan gods and, and judgment upon Israel because of that as he reads through the Old Testament. This is a, a wise man, a devout man, a man that loved the Lord, but this, he wasn't living in a time where the people were serving the Lord. There was a king named Herod that was ruling Israel. 
You would find, if you continued reading uh, the Christmas story, you would find that this King Herod, because of his jealousy and outrage for, for another king being born when the wise men came and inquired of the Savior, he put out a decree that, that every child under the age of two would be murdered and killed. Imagine living in a, in a time where, where, where the king could just simply say, I want every child, every baby under the age of two murdered and killed and it would be done. It's not a society that we'd want to live in. It's not a time that we want to live in. It's not uh, if we were occupied by a, a different government and, and we wouldn't want to, to, to enjoy living in those times. But I, I want you to see that there's a man named Simeon that's living here, that's alive, that we read in Luke chapter number two. And his joy isn't in, in what the government looks like. His joy isn't in what his freedoms are. His joy isn't in, in uh, 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 laws, but his, his joy is in this, that there's a savior, the Messiah that was born. His joy Joy is found in Jesus. He's an older man. What is his worth? Maybe he's thinking, I, I, I can't add value to society anymore. I can't work any longer because of my age. But I want you to see this. It doesn't matter his age. It doesn't matter his health. It doesn't matter the time that he's living in. This man, Simeon, he can find joy because his joy is not found in anything other than Jesus Christ. I want you to see as well, there's in the same Scripture, there's a woman by the name of Anna. Anna, the Bible says in verse number six, uh, 36, she was of great age. She lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. A score is 20 years, so that's 84 years. And so whatever age she was when she got married, she has lived 84 years above that and you add seven years to that and that's the only time she was married. Seven years. And she didn't remarry and she's lived 84 years since that point. Anna, who could have been discouraged, Anna could have said, you know, I, I married a man of my dreams, but God, you took him after seven years. I want you to see this, this Anna wasn't her identity and her joy wasn't in a marriage. It wasn't in, in people. It wasn't in friendships. Her joy she found in Jesus Christ. You see, as we look through these Bible characters, these people that we find in the Christmas story, they weren't all wealthy and healthy and wise. They weren't living great lives of luxury. They didn't have it all together. Their, 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 their retirement wasn't all set and they, they didn't, their bills weren't all paid and, and, and they didn't have great prestige in society. I want you to see that the people that we find in the Christmas story, a matter of fact, they, they make up a lot like our condition. They were just common people. They were common people that had hurts. Anna, she, after a short seven years of, of marriage, she, she buried her husband. She's lived for 84 years since that time. You know what her prayer has been? Her prayer has been, let me see the Messiah. Let me see the Savior. And you know what I find sometimes if we're not careful, we put our happiness and our joy in things that are not going to last forever. We put our joy in people that might fail us. We put our happiness in, 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 in families that, that might discourage us. We put our joy in health and it, <clears throat> excuse me, it might discourage us. We, we put our joy, we, we're happy when everything goes the way we want it to go. What would cause us to be happy this month if we could get to the end of the month and the credit card bills weren't anymore? 
right? What would make me happy if, if someone come to my house and wrap all the presents so I didn't have to. What would make me happy is if someone did for me and, and, and there was plenty and abundance and nobody sick and nobody, nobody hurting and, and there's no burdens and, and we wouldn't see death and we wouldn't see cancer and we wouldn't see heartache and that would be wonderful. And if we could just live in that type of world, you and I could be happy. But I want you to see something. Those things don't cause us to be happy. Great, true joy only comes from knowing Jesus Christ. I want you to see in Luke chapter one, if you'll just turn a page over or so, you're gonna find another story. We don't go to Luke chapter one often during the Christmas season because there's so much there in Luke chapter two. But matter of fact, it's Luke chapter one that really starts off this book with the birth of Jesus or the, the, the uh, Mary and, and, and John the Baptist and the fact that she's going to have a child. I want you to see not only the shepherd's source of great joy, Simeon's source of great joy, Anna's source of great joy. There's another, another person I want you to see that, have a, that has a, a source of great joy. In verse number 39, and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. Mary is now pregnant with Jesus. That's been told to her that she's going to have this child. And, and remember the, the story that, that she is, is engaged to Joseph, but, but they're, they've not physically been together. They're not officially married yet. And, and, and Joseph, knowing that he's not had a physical relationship with Mary and Mary, knowing that she has not had a physical relationship with, with Joseph, she now comes to Joseph and she says to Joseph, Joseph, I'm with child. But it's not what you think. An angel appeared to me and the, the Holy Ghost conceived a child inside of me. And this is, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we long for. Remember growing up, we, we learned in Genesis chapter number three that, that mankind sinned. Remember learning all of that, that God promised through the line and lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David that there was going to be a Messiah. Remember all of those things. Well, I know it's difficult to believe and I, I know I can't explain it all, but that promise is gonna be fulfilled through us, Joseph. And Joseph, just like any normal man, he's got to figure this out. Are you serious? I want to be excited if this is true, but this doesn't make sense. Mary is, then once they sort those things out, Mary has a cousin named Elizabeth and, and God is working in Elizabeth's life, just like he's working in Mary's life. Mary goes and she, he, she visits Elizabeth and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass in verse number 41, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and we find in reading this story that Elizabeth, she is with child and she is pregnant with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, the Bible says, is the forerunner of Christ. He, he went about six months or so and he preached the, that Jesus was coming. He's the one that baptized Jesus. He's the one that after the baptism heard a, a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is John the Baptist who sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are, are you the one that we look for? And, and are you the savior? And, and this, is John, this is the John the Baptist. He's still in his mother's womb and he leaps with joy when Jesus comes into the house, even though Jesus is in his mother's room, I won't take the time to preach on abortion here, but I will tell you this, that tells me this, that even in the womb, there's life. 
when John the Baptist could recognize that someone special was in his presence while he was still in his mother's room and that other one that was special in his presence was Jesus in the womb of his mother. You know what that tells me? That tells me this, Mr. Kasich, you ought to sign that heartbeat bill. It tells me this, we as Christians ought to stand for biblical values. Now I'm getting a little off today, I know that, but I'm just simply saying to you this morning, there's great joy. Elizabeth and John the Baptist in the presence of Jesus had great joy. John the Baptist is going to, he's going to be born and he's going to live in the wilderness. He's going to, to uh, live a little bit different life. He's gonna eat weird food. He's gonna dress real strange. Kind of like the greeters that are outside uh, today. It's kind of what I think John the Baptist looked like. <laughs> John the Baptist isn't gonna live a life of luxury. Matter of fact, John the Baptist is going to preach against the king because the king is living in sin. He's going to preach against the king. And you know what the king is going to do? The king is going to cut the head off of John the Baptist. John, how can you have great joy? Knowing that your purpose isn't to live a life for yourself, but your purpose is to live a life for someone else. You see, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we have great joy. When we choose our life, when we choose what we do, when we choose where we go, we choose how we live. Everyone wants to own their life and control their life, and they think this, if life can be exactly how I want it to be, then I can have joy. I want to submit to you this morning, there was a man by the name of John the Baptist. His birth was for one reason, and that was to be the forerunner, the foreteller of Jesus Christ. He was going to come to this earth. He is going to just simply we preach that the Messiah has come. His life is going to be ended quickly. His life is going to be ended in tragedy. But John was not going to find joy or happiness because he gets to dictate what his life is. John finds joy and happiness because he finds it in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That tells me this, just because life isn't the way you designed it to be or want it to be, you can still have joy just like John the Baptist had joy if you find it in Christ. In this story as well, there's not just a story of Elizabeth and John the Baptist with their source of joy or the shepherds or Simeon or Anna. We also find a Mary. Mary, the Bible tells us in the same chapter, in Luke chapter one, Mary begins to sing a song. And in verse number 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of the handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. Mary is one, a young lady. She is planning a life with Joseph. Joseph has given her the ring. Where, where is he at? He's given the ring to, to Mary. Mary is planning on this wedding and, and getting all of these, these wonderful preparations made. I'm sure all of those that are going to be in the wedding are taken care of. She's probably meeting with caterers and flower makers and dressmakers. And all Mary can do is think about this wedding day. I remember after I proposed to Michelle, someone said to me, make it a long proposal. Now I know why people get proposed and get married like within a week, because that long year or so of proposal, it's torture on us men. You know, what do you think? You, you, you don't have the right answer. I learned this, the right answer is whatever you think, dear. Well, no, I want you to, holds up two, two different things. I want you to pick one. 
Which one do you like? I want you to tell me. I say, I like this one. I knew you'd like that one. I like this one. And that year of turmoil. That's what she's enjoying. Joseph can't eat another sample from a caterer, can't try any more cake, doesn't want to look at any more dresses. And Mary's having fun torturing Joseph. And she gets the news. The wedding isn't going to be like you thought. Matter of fact, your testimony might be hurt for a little while. Instead of Joseph thinking, I can't wait till I get married because all this planning will be behind me and I get to kiss the bride. I can't wait for that day. What he hears from Mary is this, I'm with child. Mary's got to tell her family. I had a friend of mine call me last night, late last evening, a pastor of a church in Missouri. And he, and he said to me, he said, I have some news I have to share with my church tomorrow. Would you pray for me? And he was really struggling First thing I thought of was him this morning and I texted him early this morning. I said, I'm praying for you this morning. I know things are gonna be difficult for you today, but I'm praying for you because when you have to share news that other people don't like to hear, it's stressful. It's stressful. Nobody likes to tell other people bad news. No, nobody likes to get up and hurt people with the news that they're going to give, but that's what Mary had to do. Mary had to say all of our dreams and all of our desires aren't quite like we planned. You, you could have thought this, well, Mary's life is gonna be over. What, what value is it now? Her testimony's ruined, her marriage is ruined, her, her life is ruined. Mary might as well just go and live the rest of her life in misery and despair because everything's over. But I don't want you to, to think that that's what Mary did because the Bible tells us this, that Mary found great joy in Jesus Christ. You see, it didn't matter her testimony or her reputation. It doesn't matter what other people might think. And, and, and really it doesn't matter in your life either. Maybe, maybe there's been some things that have happened in your life and, and you're discouraged and you're letting those things define you and they're causing you not to have joy. Yes, maybe you messed up or maybe you sinned or maybe some, some situations happened, some news you had to give to someone you love and it caused great hurt. And from that point forward, now you're just, you're living in that guilt. I, I want you to see this morning, get out of that guilt, get out of that shame and find joy in Jesus Christ. And that's what Mary did. You see, I find this morning the source of joy in the shepherds. I find the source of joy in Simeon and Anna and Elizabeth and Mary. And all of these people could have said life is too hard and life is too difficult and it's not what I wanted and it's not what I've asked for and it's not worth living. And they all could have said that like some of the examples that we could have here today in our own life, but they didn't because they chose to find great joy in Jesus. And you too can today as well. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number two. Would you turn there? Matthew chapter number two. It's Matthew's gospel, his, his account of the Christmas story. <clears throat> there were these wise men. And, and the Bible tells us these wise men that traveled from the far east. Now, traveling in those days, it was very dangerous. It was very costly. Tra traveling during these, these days, was, was, it was of great time. You didn't get to places very quickly. A matter of fact, when I was in Israel, what they told us was the trade routes, the routes that they would go, they traveled about 10 miles or so a day. Could you imagine taking a long trip and only going 10 miles? I, 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 I mean, I, it'd drive me insane. 
if, I, if we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna get there. We're not gonna stop. You know, we're gonna get there and drive straight through. The, the terrain was difficult. But I want you to see these wise men, they're coming to Jesus after a great journey, after a great time, after great expense, not knowing. They, they just simply know there's a star and they've studied the scriptures to realize this, that that star means that Jesus, the Messiah, is born. But they're willing to go against uh, the great time, the great expense, the great cost, the great danger. And I want you to see in verse number 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they were coming to the house. They saw the young child with Mary and mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I find in this passage of scripture, there could have been some that said this, I just can't afford this. I, I, can't, I can't take this great dangerous uh, pilgrimage. I, I don't know what to expect. Why, why, would, why would God show us the star? Listen to me, I want you to see this this morning. Serving, serving the Lord isn't always easy. It's not. Giving to the Lord is not always easy. And sometimes if we're not careful, if we come to church, we, we make the Christian life sound really easy. If I ever make the Christian life sound really easy, I'm sorry, the Christian life is not always easy. It comes at great cost. It comes with great burdens. I am very, very weary of, of those that preach a prosperity gospel that, that once you get saved, all of your problems go away. And those types of preachers, they preach that type of prosperity gospel because you give them the money and all their problems go away, but you're still stuck with all of your problems and less money. And that prosperity gospel isn't true. You don't find that in scripture. It's twisted. It's not truth. If you're going to follow Jesus, do you realize this? It can come at great cost. There, there are people that I know that, that, that have trusted Christ as their Savior and they've lost their family because of it. There's people that I know that they've trusted Christ as their Savior and, and, and they've lost their careers because of it. Matter of fact, in, 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 in our generation right now, there is great persecution against the Christians in China. I don't know if you've read any of that or seen any of that, but, but there's, there's great persecution against Christians in China today. I mean, they're, they're literally being jailed and being driven even deeper underground. They're, it's a great expense to them. It's a great danger to them. It's a great cost to them to, to, to follow the Lord. Many of people, matter of fact, well, well, that's when they start to say, well, maybe this isn't for me. It's a little bit too difficult. It's a little bit too hard. It's a little bit more costly than I thought it would be. And these wise men could have said the same thing, but I want you to see that these wise men, they experienced great joy because they realized this, that serving the Messiah and living for the Messiah and going to see the Messiah was worth any cost or any burden or any danger in their life. Serving Jesus is the source of great joy. And so whether you're a shepherd or you're Simeon, whether you're Anna, Elizabeth, Mary, or the wise men, or it's us here this morning, joy is not dependent on your situation. True joy, great joy is dependent upon our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul learned joy in every circumstance. I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, if you would please, this morning. I want you to see a portion of scripture where Paul, Paul is just serving Jesus. 
Paul is preaching that Jesus Christ loves you and Jesus Christ died upon the cross, that, that God himself came to this earth and became man and went to the cross and shed his blood and paid your sin debt. Paul is preaching this. And because Paul is preaching this, they've imprisoned Paul. But they've not just imprisoned Paul. I want you to see in verse number 23 of Acts chapter 16. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And so Paul is not just jailed, Paul is beaten. They, they, they took Paul and they took a shirt off Paul's back and they, there'd be a post in the, in the ground. They'd tie his hands to that post and tie his feet down so Paul couldn't move and couldn't get away. And his back being exposed, they would just take this whip, Tom, and just beat the back of this person. And they were allowed by law to do it 39 times because 40 would kill him two would kill me, <laughs> but they could beat this back till it was just raw 39 times. And they take them and, and toss them into this dirty, filthy prison. This isn't a clean sanitary prison. These open wounds that are on Paul's back as they throw him into this dirty prison cell. He, he, he's in risk of infection and disease. I don't know about you, but if that were me, I would say this, I've had it, I'm through done. Not Paul. You see, because Paul knew that his source of joy was in Jesus Christ, not in circumstances. And I want you to see something in verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Um, Paul is in prison. Paul is beaten and Paul is hurt. And, and Paul still had great joy. And I want you to see Paul's source was Jesus Christ. But I, today I want you to see number two, if you write this down, not only is the source of joy Jesus, I want you to see the result of joy is others see your Jesus. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we get so, so consumed with our burdens. We get so consumed with what's happening to us. We get so consumed with our hurt and our trials and our sufferings. And we have one of two things. We can either feel bad and murmur and complain. And what we tell the world that's listening is that Jesus isn't sufficient and that Jesus isn't enough. And that I've got to go through this world on my own trying to find the strength within me to get through, or we can do what Paul did and show them that the result of our joy is others see our savior. Joy isn't in material things and joy isn't in physical health and joy isn't in our homes and our houses. Joy is found in Jesus and, and it produces something in us. And what it produces is joy, great joy that the Bible speaks of. And I want you to see the result. And Paul, uh, 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 let me just lay this, uh, uh, for you here, Paul is singing at midnight and, and the Bible says that an angel of the Lord comes and, and a great earthquake comes and that prison door opens and the chains are all loosed and, and all the prisoners are free. Paul, who was beaten and who was imprisoned, he cries in verse number 28, cries with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what's not, what must I do to be saved? You see, what joy in Paul's life produced 
it produced someone else hearing about Paul's Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning. Sometimes I think we look at all the problems around us. We look at all the pain around us. We all look at all the trials that we're going through. We look at all the circumstances. And if we're not careful, we can look at circumstances in a very selfish way. And when we do that, we're not showing the world that there's true joy, that true joy is found in Jesus. A Christian ought to be the one that's living in life in such a way where others say, I need that joy that you have. And thirdly, I want you to write this down. My time is gone. The reward of our joy. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter number 22. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter number 22. The The reward of your joy. Jesus says this in verse number 12 of the last chapter of Revelation. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We look for a reward, but it's not here found on this earth. And listen to me, Christian, please see this. Please get this today. Our reward is not something you're going to find here. Our, re- our reward is eternal. Our reward is to be with Jesus, the beginning, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Savior. I'm so glad the Bible ends this way. The Bible ends that he takes death and he takes Satan by the, by the, by the uh, belt strap. And the Bible says he tosses Satan into the lake of fire. And from that point forward, there's no more sin. There's no more pain. I, I want you to see in chapter number 21, in verse number four, I used this verse, I believe it was last week. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Please understand, Christian, that's not taking place right now here in our lives, but that will take place. Our reward, our, our reward, what we look to is found in Jesus Christ. The reward of our joy is eternal reward. One day there's coming a day where there is no more sickness. There is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. Listen, I know this week there's some that have, have just soaked their pillow with tears because of the things that have happened in their life. I want you to know that right now this is is not the best that it's going to be. I want you to know the best that's going to be one day is you're going to be with Jesus forever. The joy of your reward is going to be eternity with Jesus where there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There'll be no more cancer. I I talked to George yesterday and, and Susan Sears, she always does our our sign language, she interprets for the deaf and, and you've been praying for her. She's still in the hospital and they said she'll probably be another week. She got that C. diff uh, uh, infection and a very contagious infection in, in her um, uh, bowel area. And, and they thought she'd be home for Christmas. And they said, no, it's going to be after that. And I said, how's, how's Suzanne doing? He said, she's a little bit discouraged. She wants to be home for Christmas. And then he said this, but she's so thankful for Christ and his mercy. I wanted to say to George, George, guess what? Don't worry, we're all praying for you. And I know this, in a little bit of time, she's gonna come out of there. The cancer's gonna be gone and the infection's gonna be gone and you're gonna be home for Christmas. And don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. But you know what the reality is? I don't know that. But I do know this, that one day there's gonna be a day, there's gonna be a reward. 
One day, Susan's never gonna have to worry about cancer returning again. One day, she's, George is never gonna have to worry about uh, uh, shedding tears at the bedside of his wife. And they're not gonna have to worry about any more hospital stays. They're not gonna have to worry about any more, any more uh, uh, suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. Do you see the reward of our joy is eternity with Christ? Listen, man, I wanna say to you this morning, Christian, Stop just existing. Stop just looking at what you don't have. Stop letting the circumstances in your life steal your joy. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are, not, or the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what Paul was saying? Stop putting your eyes on the things that can't cause you joy and keep your eyes on the eternal things that will bring you joy forever. Great joy. It can be to you. It was to the shepherds. It was to the wise men. It was to Mary. It was to Elizabeth. It was John the Baptist. It was to Simeon. It was to Anna. And that great joy you can have this Christmas season as well. Would you pray with me this morning?